Good afternoon, and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So, let's get started. Here are your hosts, Lori Ann Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Mark Olmstead. And I'm Lorianne Rising. You know, world religions, faith traditions, and spiritual traditions of all kinds provide humans with a way to understand the mysteries of life, including death. Today's guest has been talking with those who've pierced the veil and returned to share a view most of us don't get. Stephen Holly Martin has interviewed dozens of near-death survivors, psychics, researchers into the paranormal, as well as quantum physicists and medical doctors on his podcast, The Truth About Life. To him, it's clear that humankind is on the cusp of a transition to a new understanding of the true nature of reality. To share what he's learned, he's written well over a dozen books, many of which are bestsellers. Martin is a former principal of the Martin Agency, the world-renowned ad firm that created the Geico Gecko, and, quote, Virginia is for lovers. <laughs> Currently, he's the editor and publisher of the Oakley Press and the only three-time winner of the Writer's Digest Book Award. He also won the first prize for visionary fiction from independent publisher and first prize for nonfiction from USA Book News. Man, wow. welcome, welcome. Steve in the house. <laughs> oh okay, God. well, thanks so much for oh. your... Uh, having me here i'm i'm looking forward to it we are honored well, we man are this is fantastic and excited and and i'm so stoked about these questions uh so i'm, we I'm get to jump into i'm curious though to kind of set the stage i mean how did you get into i guess interested or attracted to or passionate about interviewing people around those particular topics well, you know, I uh, I grew up in a family that was very scientifically minded. They they were scientific materialists. They believed that if you uh, couldn't see it under a microscope, it must not exist. And and that's what I thought up until my mid twenties. And and I I had uh, I had an out of body experience. I won't call it a near death experience because it didn't. It wasn't you know the whole nine yards where you go through the tunnel and you go into the light and you visit your old relatives that have died, your grandmother and so forth. But uh, I, I was very sick and I, I felt the bed spinning and I suddenly popped out of my body and I was up around the ceiling, bumping against the ceiling, kind of looking down at my body. And I thought, well, you know, if, uh, if the brain creates consciousness and I'm up here and my body's down there, my brain's inside my head down there, then, you know, something doesn't compute. And that started me on this whole journey, this whole quest to find out how that was possible. So in a nutshell, that's that's what started me. I was about 25 years old at the time, and I've been at it ever since. And I'm an old guy now. Oh, man. Wow. What a fantastic experience to have early on enough to be able to do something about finding the answers. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I, my, 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 uh, close to, to, you know, comparative story. I got to, uh, cut off my finger at age 13. Uh, and I, just, I, just the tip, just the no. tip. Yeah. Just, just, just enough to slow down my guitar lessons. And, and it was, uh, it was like, I got this vision of this flash of, of scenes going through my life without a finger. As I as I saw my fingertip on the other side of the saw blade, it was just oh. it was surreal. It was like this thirty five millimeter film ripping by the the view of my my vision, and just all these scenes, the things that I wasn't going to be able to do as as a you know in my life without a finger. Oh, and I just was fascinated about that afterwards. It was like, how could that be possible? I mean, it was it was amazing. So, but. Yeah. I'm just, it, there's no, no end to the possibilities, I think, of what our minds can, can. Well, and do. how Absolutely. we, how we perceive the nature of reality itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you talked about how your family really is materialistic, concrete, you know, if, if you can see it, you can believe it. And your experience turned that upside down and inside out by the sounds of it. So after all these years, 
what would you say the true nature of reality is? Well, I have come to the conclusion that, and it's based on a lot of evidence, that the uh, the true nature of reality is that the, that consciousness, mind, is the ground of being of all it is, that there's a, a conscious mind creates it all, and that we're all part of that one mind. We, we each feel that we're separate and that we, you know, we're inside this body and our consciousness is located somewhere behind our eyes in the middle of our skull. But that really is, uh, is what the Hindus called Maya. It's, it's an illusion because we really are all one mind, uh, but we do have our own conscious mind, our own subconscious mind, our own, but we're all connected. If you, if you dig, if you can go deeply enough into your mind through the conscious, subcon uh, unconscious, subconscious, eventually you'll reach a collective consciousness where all memories exist and where we're all connected. And to me, that is the true nature of reality. And I believe that more and more scientists are coming to believe that as well. And I've talked to a number of them who do. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Eben Alexander, who wrote the book uh, uh, Proof of Heaven, was a neuro is a neuroscientist. He's a brain surgeon, and yet he had uh, an out-of-body near-death experience where he was in a coma for a week and mm. experienced all these things. And when he came back, he started delving into it. And he had been a uh, scientific materialist like my parents who didn't believe anything existed if you couldn't see it under a microscope. Now he will, I think, agree with what I just said, that all is one. There's one mind. It all comes from uh, the same place. And yet uh, we feel separate, but really that's that's an illusion. Wow. So uh, how, I mean, it, it sounds like in many ways, whether it's for you and your parents or for the brain surgeon, <laughs> I mean, that's two realities that are kind of deeply at about, odds about with each other. polar opposite ends of the, <laughs> so of the spectrum, physical-based or not. Right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's, that's how do we make sense then of, of both? You know, how do we well, integrate it? You know, science is done some wonderful things and, and uh, we've you know gone through a scientific revolution that's uh, benefited humankind tremendously but the fact of the matter is we got off track a couple of hundred years ago and one of the things I go to in, in um, a couple of my books is how we got to this idea that the only thing that exists is material substance matter and it really dates back to the 18th century and the 1700s and a man named Thomas Hobbes, who was an English philosopher who was, I guess, concerned about the witchcraft trials and things like that. You know, the, uh, the uh, Salem witches. Actually, I had an ancestor who was one of the Salem witches, which is another story. Oh but, uh, <laughs> but he said that, you know, if God created... Uh, the universe, he created the earth, then that's all there is. There's nothing else. There's no spiritual realm. There are no angels and demons. There, the only thing that exists is uh, is this physical world. And in the age of enlightenment, uh, a lot of intellectuals picked up on that. You know, Thomas Jefferson, for example, and they became what's called deists, which and they subscribe to what's also called the great clockmaker theory, which is that the uh, that God created the universe, he wound it up and let it go, created all the laws of physics. <laughs> oh, that's an image. <laughs> <laughs> and and that uh, you know that he doesn't he's not involved anymore. Well oh, then boy. in the in the uh, 19th century uh, Charles Darwin came out with an explanation about how we became who we are, you know, through evolution, survival of the fittest. Of course, there are a lot of things that that theory doesn't explain, but uh, which we, which we can get into if you're interested. But since then, uh, scientists have bought into that, and it's become kind of a religion for a lot of them. The idea that nothing exists except 
material substance. And there is so much energy which we can, and so much evidence uh, otherwise. Uh, and we can talk about some of that evidence if you'd mm. like to, but basically that's it. That's how yeah, we got here. We, we've been watching a series called Superpower. Oh, that is yeah. just Gee. beyond amazing. But you've probably what? been watching it too, right? I mean, you, you've probably heard about this. I it's, haven't heard about it. Tell oh my it. goodness! This is this is so cool, and I'm interrupting. Yes, yes I'm, I'm, okay. I'm jumping as long right as in because I'm not excited about this at all. <laughs> you go ahead. You started it. I'll I'll, I'll I'll shut up. Go ahead. Well, I'm glad you're conscious of that, honey. Thank I'm you. getting there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's if you go to superpowerfilm.com, I believe it is. Uh, they're doing a series right now, and it is they're they're basically reconnecting consciousness and spirituality with science through quantum physics. They're reconnecting the two and it's mind blowing what they are showing and the scientific basis for all of it, whether it's intuition or I think the, the show we've been most blown away by so far the kids, the kids is was these young Kids, 9, 10, 11 years old, they put really like industrial sized blindfolds on them, get them into their right brain as deeply and far as possible. Never, ask, never asking questions. Right. That's Th all. It's all just all just, right brain. just suggestion stuff. Just just say, OK, Direction. sit down, uh, choose a book on the table here and they open the book and they they read and with the blindfold on. Like word for word there. And, and they explain it, that their consciousness has been raised so far that they can see out of every cell. And and it it, it comes from the, around that. And it's like they and to watch it happening. You're watching over like, their over their shoulder. The cameras are right over their wow. shoulder and, and they're just right at the book. And then she asked, OK, what is the characters on the page? And, and they'll point over oh, this. This boy is wearing a blue shirt. This, there's a, a yellow flower right here. And, and they are seeing words. this with absolute non-use of their physical eyes. But it's all science-based. It's a school and a university, and it's all science and quantum physics-based types of things that I they're see working you. with. ICU was the name of the university yeah. uh, that, that I she's running. I think it's running. Intuition Children's, children's or university. Intuitive Children's. Something like that. It's I in see. California. But I remember that part. It, absolutely cutting edge, unbelievable footage and and such awesome stories. Uh, they even talked about the importance of not being anywhere near anyone who doesn't believe. One of the girls' uh, parent, parents uh, was coming closer to her was who was a, a non-believer in what she was doing and and she didn't even know that he was approaching but you could see but they could see basically as he was approaching her vision went well, away she commented she commented she yeah, said, I can't oh see i can't anymore. see now right and so without <clears throat> saying anything they waved him back and just told her it's like okay just refocus get centered refocus and the further back he got the stronger her vision came back so she had no awareness that he was back. There. There's no doubt that, uh, that skeptics can can put the kibosh on ESP. I've seen other demonstrations of that. It's it's fascinating. What kinds and, of things you know, have, you, have you have you seen? Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, I saw a uh, a program on. I think it was the History Channel or one of those where. Uh, they were doing an ESP experiment, and there was a person who believed that it could be, and another one who didn't. And the one who didn't just kind of disrupted the whole thing. It just, mm. what was working went away. So, I mean, it's almost exactly what you're talking about. But I, I wanted to say that, you know, quantum physics, they're experiments that demonstrate that thought and uh, is not contained within the skull or or confined to uh, your brain. Uh, the double slit experiment's a famous one where what the experience, uh, the experiment or the, the researcher knows or doesn't know determines the outcome of the uh, experiment. And it's been repeated over and over and over many, many times in different laboratories. So, uh, but of course, scientific materialists will just, you know, 
somehow rather <laughs> managed to deny that. I mean, it's like they're in denial. Mm -hmm. So there you go. It's, it's amazing how much our <clears throat> beliefs can form what we are willing to look at or admit or see or experience in so many ways, which I think that was something else that came out of some of the quantum physics too, that it's like, you know, the act of, of, of observing changes it, you know, what, and yeah, and, yeah exactly. Well, and while we're, while we're on the idea of, of where science got off track, you'd mentioned Darwin and, and his work. And I know that he has had such a huge role in our modern supposed understanding. And, and I would be, I'm really curious about what you, what you've learned about the differences or how much of a role he's played in our, our, uh, our alignment or misunderstandings oh, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> how much did he get right? Yeah. Well, I think Darwin's theory, uh, is is true up to a up to a point. I mean, there's the idea that uh, organisms adapt to their environment based on, you know, the survival, the fittest. If you've got to make it all the way to uh, the time that you reproduce and pass on your genes, and if you don't make it that far, you're not going to pass your genes on. So, mm -hmm. when an environment changes, there's no doubt that, uh, and there's you know, he learned that when he studied the the animals and life on the Galapagos Islands, and all that makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is uh, the law, the second law of thermodynamics, which is that it's called entropy, the idea that things don't get better all by themselves. Things don't improve. You know, your old car uh, is going to run, and when it gets run down and something goes wrong, it takes a mechanic to fix it. It doesn't fix mm. itself. And so... Uh, a think about the the development of eyes, ears, livers, uh, kidneys, all that, all those organs in the body. How did we get from one-celled animals into uh, complex organisms that have all those different parts to them? I mean, that how does that that happen by survival of the fittest? Doesn't make sense. And then the big thing is, back in 1953, a couple of guys discovered the uh, the DNA molecule. Well, the DNA molecule, uh, if you were to, you know, it's a double helix, so it all folds up into a very small space. But if you took that and stretched it out, it would be over six feet long. And that that length of stuff, is really very similar to computer code that tells the cells how to make certain protein, pre, proteins, when to make them, and so forth. So how did that, you know, string of computer code six feet long come about by accident or survival of the fittest? That really needs to be explained if you're going to explain how life came about. It used to be that scientists thought that, uh, that you know, lightning struck a pool of a lagoon or something that had certain chemicals in it, mixtures in it, and life started spontaneously. Well, something six feet long, computer code doesn't come about spontaneously. So there you are. I mean, those are some of the things that uh, is where the Darwinian theory falls short. I mean, I'm not saying it's complete. It's, it's perhaps right as far as it goes, but uh, it's got a lot of holes in it. And, and one of the things, you know, I read a book, I think it was in 1975. I guess that makes, you know, I'm dating myself. But uh, it was written by a, uh, a British scientist who was a member of the Royal Academy of Science or whatever that big organization they have in the UK. And he had five other scientists contribute to this book. And the basic thesis of it was, and this was, you know, what, how long ago was that? 45 years ago? Uh, that how in the world that intelligence must have come first was his thesis. Because the if you look at an organism, that things always develop, things like eyes, ears, uh, taste buds, develop in response to a need. So it's like, it's not like you suddenly develop an eye for no reason. It's because 
the organism needs to see to get around, or you mm. uh, you don't de develop a digest digestive system uh, just by accidents because you need to be able to take in enough that uh, and, and your body incorporate it and so on and so forth. So he had a whole theory of uh, intelligence coming before the development of these different parts of an organism. And it made a lot of sense. But back then in 1975, and they're probably still scientists today that just poo-poo that idea so such a because it, it I guess they see it as a threat to their mm -hmm. religion of uh, scientific materialism that you know only but it's true the brain for example developed in response to a need otherwise there could have there could have been no intelligence until a brain developed if you see what I mean so, uh, we've kind of, scientists has kind of got a lot of things backward. They've done a lot of things right, a lot of things good. Scientific uh, uh, research has, has solved lots of problems, including uh, coming up with a uh, vaccine for this coronavirus. Mm -hmm. But it could be so much better and so much more could be learned if they would realize that intelligence came first, that mind is primary, is primal. And uh, they don't. They just, you know, but I think it's changing. I really think it's changing. I think people's eyes are opening. And that we're going through a transition right now. And that's what my latest book is about, the transition that we're going through. Oh, that'll uh, be interesting. Okay. See, I'm, I'm excited to hear more because one of the things, I was reading a book years and years ago, and one of the statements in it was that, you know, the uh, science is coming to a point. It's like, you know, everybody's been climbing this mountain of knowledge to understand ultimate, you know, universe type of thing. And scientists are getting to the top. And, and when they get there, they're going to discover the ancient gurus already sitting there <laughs> going, what took you so what long? What took you so you long? <laughs> so it's... it's, it's <laughs> To me, it seems a matter of like reintegrating the two sides of what makes us us, what makes life life, because it's material and intelligence or consciousness or something. So I'm I'm looking forward to diving deeper it, into that. And it seems so so consistent that whoever is studying something, it's like that's that's now their God. This is, this is how it all is. It all works this way because I know about this. And so, and, and it feels like we just get so enamored by our own perspective that it, it just tends to cause this blinder effect to other stuff. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to this is why I'm to have a, this conversation with somebody who's, who's, so willing to let those blinders go and uh, in a very public and sharing way. Um, really, really enjoying this. So, but well, absolutely. And I think the idea of reaching the top of <coughs> reaching the mountaintop and finding the guru is absolutely true because, you know, uh, one quantum physicist that I talked to uh, believes that the ancient rishis of India, who really that's, they're the ones that kind of started the, uh, Hindu religion or philosophy, that they had it right. And what they believed was that everything comes from what they called Veda, V-E-D-A, or Brahman. And essentially, that is mind or consciousness. And this quantum physicist said that there are very, very uh, close relationship between how they say it works and how the quantum field or the the, uh, what do they call it, the unified field would work in terms of creating reality. So yeah, they, they knew this 4,000 years ago. <laughs> Steve, Steve, let's uh, hang on just a second. We, yeah. we need to take a short break, but before we go, remember, your voice, our dear listeners, your voice matters. Please rate and review the show on your favorite listening platform and feel free to email us as well. We value and appreciate all feedback from our listeners and because it actually helps us continue to provide the content you love. So email us directly 
Uh, our address is fun and easy. Share the love at riseandshineasone.com. That's riseandshineasthenumberone.com. And right after the break, we'll be sharing one of Mark's original songs, inspired by one of his favorite teachers and written to her for her birthday. Stay tuned for The Sole Reason right after this. In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book award-winning kids book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Lorianne Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit LorianneRising.com. You're listening to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. To reach the show live, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send us an email to share the love at riseandshineisone.com. Now, back to Rise and Shine. Welcome back. You're listening to Rise and Shine, and that was The Sole Reason by our very own Mark Olmsted. Download and enjoy the song or the entire Star Child CD from his website at markolmsted.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-L-M-S-T-E-A-D.com. We're here with Stephen Holly Martin talking about Vedic traditions and how intelligence comes first. Yes. All right. Well, that's right. Yeah, you know, you know, Mark, uh, the uh, the ancient rishis of India that kind of that's where the Hindu religion and philosophy comes from. They four thousand years ago they said that everything comes from what they call Veda, which if you really look closely at what they're talking about, they're talking about intelligence or mind. And one of the quantum physicists that I interviewed believes that they were, they knew what they were talking about 4,000 years ago and that his theory of how the universe came to be is very similar. The Only the words are different. He calls it the unified field that uh, before the Big Bang, before uh, anything material existed, there was a unified field that in effect is consciousness or intelligence or mind. And so, yes, these, uh, as we climb the mountain of knowledge, eventually we're going to get to the top. We're going to find an ancient Rishi sitting up there (laughs) and he's the guru who already knew about all this 4,000 years ago. So there you go. Um, So how, how does this or does it, I guess, relate to the idea of, karma itself. I guess talking about the Vedic traditions and and the Eastern philosophy is that, you know, karma comes out of that. So I'd love your take on what is it, first of all, and then... Yeah, yeah let, me, let me talk about karma, yeah. Karma is... Uh, most people think of karma as cause and effect. You know, you do something bad, something bad comes back to you. You do something good, something good comes back to you. And that is true up to a certain extent, but it's not the whole story. I think that Edgar Cayce, Edgar Cayce was the uh, probably the best known psychic of the 20th century. He, He lived from 1877 to 1945 and he went into a trance twice a day, every day for more than 20 years answering questions. And one of the questions was about karma. 
And he said that karma is more like a memory where you have something in your psyche that keeps drawing certain situations to you. And let me, let me give you an example of uh, how that might work. You probably know somebody who continually uh, attracts members of the opposite sex who are not good for them, you know, who treat them badly, who abuse them or whatever. Well, now, is that karma? Is it because that person deserves to have someone abuse them? Well, Casey would say not necessarily. He would say something's going on in that person's, person's psyche that they need to recognize. Probably, perhaps, they have a low opinion of themselves and they keep drawing someone to them who has the same low opinion. And what they do, need to do to break that karmic cycle is to realize that, that they are a spiritual being having a physical experience, that they are a spark of the God force of this, of this universal consciousness we've been talking about, this universal mind that is having a physical experience. And they are uh, a powerful person, really, if they will just realize it, and then they'll stop uh, attracting that, that kind of a situation to them. Because one of the fundamental laws of metaphysics is that like attracts like. Mm. We attract to us uh, what we are or what we think we are. If we think we're a victim, we're going to have experiences of being a victim. Right. If, if we think we're uh, you know, whatever we think we are, that's what our our reality, personal reality is going to be. Do you see so there that, you go? Do you see that as resonant frequencies or is that is that the level or that you're you're relating it to? I mean, I'm being the musician, you know, I, and, the, and the two guitar strings that that will, you know, you pluck one and then and it'll vibrate the other guitar across the room uh, if it's tuned to the same frequency. Um, it feels like that's that's what we're experiencing on a on an attraction law of attraction kind of basis. Um, that that like I, mean, I think that's that's a wonderful analogy and, and and a perfect example of yeah I think it is frequency I think we everything is frequency you know one of the one of the laws of the universe is that everything is vibrations it's. Uh, Everything is in vibration and motion and movement. You know, if you go down to the microscopic, even below that uh, atomic level, you'll see that everything is, in, is vibrations. And yes, we attract people in situations that have similar vibrations. So if you want to have a better life, raise your vibration. If you want to have uh, attract uh, good things to you, think good thoughts and, you know, Thinking bad thoughts is lowers your vibration. Thinking good thoughts and feeling joy raises your vibration. So yes, I think that's a perfect analogy, Mark. That's that's very good. Very cool. Yeah, I really am, am enjoying the idea of that that matter, that all matter is just vibrating energy, and and the whole uh, uh, application of of Rife's Technology. I don't know if you've, you've been around a while. You probably ran across uh, the scientist Royal Raymond Rife that uh, that came up with uh, mm -hmm. the end of all disease, they called it, in the San Diego Tribune. Did you hear all that, uh, the, the, the work that he did? No, no. Tell me about oh, that. Oh, boy. Well, there was, it's a, it's a, there's a lot that, that you can do the, the, the story about him on um, uh, rifevideos.com. talks about how he found out about... The frequency, the, the using frequencies to heal disease and basically kill off little microbes. He could he could watch in this microscope that he developed. He would, he would just run the frequency through the through the uh, under the microscope and watch the little critters explode. When he found the MOR, the moral oscillatory rate, and so here's this. He started mapping out all these different these bugs that he had isolated that caused certain diseases. And, and wound up getting the attention of all these doctors across the country. And 34 doctors came in and uh, they said, hey, here's these 17 terminal cancer patients that we've all checked out. We want you to come in with your machine and, and uh, see if there's something you could do with them. And he says, 
Oh man, that's a kettle of worms. But uh, you know, as long as all 34 of these doctors signed off on it, okay, I'll come in and, and do this. And uh, and four months later, all 17 of them had gotten up and walked out cancer free. In 19, Amazing. In 1932, 34. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. the story's on, all on uh, rifevideos.com, uh, R-I-F-E. And uh, it's just, it's incredible the kinds of things that, that we've known about for nearly 100 years about the power of frequencies and vibrations and how we can use them and manipulate them. And yet, here we are, you know, still... Still debating. Still, uh, you know, collecting, <laughs> collecting money for, for children's cancer research, you know, kind of thing. So... Well, that's amazing. You know, it is. It is because the materialistic science, scientific materialism, has become a religion for a lot of people, and they just don't want to hear it. You know, they're either in denial, or uh, or they don't want the truth to come out because it's going to ruin their career. You know, they've been teaching at a university for twenty years, and they've been teaching one something that's not true. Mm -hmm. They don't want to have to admit to that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, even. You talk about the 1930s. J.B. Rhine at the university at uh, Duke University had a laboratory where he experimented with ESP from the 1930s up into the 1960s, and he conducted all these studies that st prove, from a statistically significant viewpoint, that ESP is real. He also demonstrated psychokinosis, that, that, that the mind, that mind over matter. Uh, he could, he did experiments that showed statistically that that works. And yet scientists poo poo that. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it can't be because all that exists is material substance and therefore there can be no ESP. And that's BS. And, you know, it's just not true. There are all kinds of studies. Yeah that show it. There's one recently, uh, a, uh, a woman named uh, Julie Michelle, and I, I've interviewed her twice. She uh, has a PhD in pharmacology. And uh, pharmacology, one of the ways, ways you test drugs is by setting up double-blind studies. And you have control groups, and you have those who get the drug and those who get a placebo. Well, she set up those kinds of studies for mediums who supposedly communicate with uh, people who are dead and has demonstrated <laughs> through a number of studies and had this, had this uh, paper published, peer-reviewed paper, that shows that some psychics really are able to do that. And uh, and yet science just, you know, turns their back on it because if you can't see it on a microscope, it doesn't exist. And so there you go. Well, it, it, in some way, it sort of makes sense, though. I mean, if we're all vibrating frequency beings, which we can prove and measure, then who's to say that frequency isn't something that can't be tuned into whether we're in a physical body or not. I mean, we've all had experiences like, Oh, I thought of that person and they called, or I thought of that person. And, you know, we've all had certain things where we know when we're tuned in to certain people, there's a connection we can't necessarily explain other than we're, we're psychically connected somehow. So, Who's to say? I mean, that's that idea that there is an after. Most religions, most spiritual traditions talk about something after this physical life. So if we do believe that, that means some part of us continues to vibrate afterwards. So why can't we tune into that? You know? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And one, let me tell you a little bit about the studies that the University of Virginia Medical School a division called um, uh, the Division of Perceptual Studies has been doing for the last 60 years. They started this in 1960. A uh, professor there, a doctor, he, he was a psychiatrist named Ian Stevenson, started these studies, and he got a grant from the founder of Xerox, uh, to, who was apparently interested in Eastern religions, and, and he wanted... Uh, 
the university to study reincarnation. And what Ian Stevenson did was to find children who remembered past lives. And as I said, they started this in 1960. They're still doing it today. The one, the man who's uh, studying children's memories of past lives is named Jim Tucker. He's uh, also a psychiatrist, a uh, MD and a child psychiatrist. Ian Stevenson, by the way, died in 2007, but uh, they now have 2,700 or so cases that they have researched over the last 60 years and have been able to, uh, on the majority of those, match up the person that the child thinks they were with someone who actually did exist, had that name, characteristics, things happened to them that the child described. And so here you have over 2,000 cases that have been documented and, and people still turn a blind eye to it. It's, it should be on the cover of Time Magazine and it should be the subject of an interview on 60 Minutes, but we continue to <laughs> not uh, realize what's going on here. The brain is a receiver of consciousness that integrates it with the body and certainly has a lot to do with the consciousness we have when we're in these physical bodies. You know, you get hit on the head or you drink too much or whatever, it changes your, your consciousness, but it doesn't create consciousness. It is a receiver like a cell phone is a receiver of mm. uh, mm. cell phone messages. So there you go. Oh boy, oh, but, that's an image. We're all just cell phone towers. Hey, and, and and we're gonna and we're gonna. <laughs> what you are describing was exactly mirrored on that program we were just watching when they're talking about about how our well they they said exactly what you said, but the the, the point I wanted to remember to to, to interject here um, and and get your thoughts about is something else they said was the the difference of the conscious and the subconscious minds and the the amount of information that's being tracked by the conscious mind, they said was something like we were able to, to keep track of like 40 bits of information per second, you know, like the, the, the smell of what's going on, the, the feeling of our, what we're holding in our hands, the sound of, you know, something in the room, the feeling of our clothes on our body, all that, like 40 bits of information compared to, the subconscious mind that is processing continually 20 million 20,000 per second 20,000 no no i'm sure it was I, i'm sure it was I, it was in the millions it was in the millions really? i'm sure it was okay. in the millions of bits of information you probably per look it up online. second yeah but, but anyway it was a lot more than the, <laughs> than the conscious mind and, and <laughs> it looks to me like like this that exploration is t I mean what you're what you're describing here? I think is touching on on the the opportunity of that level of perceptibility that our physiology and our, our these bodies are capable of, and it would have to be, you know, from beyond this life and and external energies and vibrations and frequencies and all of that that we can't necessarily know about with our consciousness. Absolutely. Well, there's no question about it. And what you said is, uh, is true that, that our, that our conscious mind only picks up on what we, where we direct our attention. You know, you don't feel your feet inside your shoes or your, uh, collar around your neck unless you think about it. And then you can, but all your subconscious mind is picking up on all of that. And that's why when you are going to a hypnotic trance, you can uh, pull out information. Somebody who witnesses a particular event, for example, an auto accident or whatever it might be, when they're hypnotized, they can then recall a whole lot more than they did uh, from just their conscious mind watching and, and the memory that the conscious mind puts into. There really are several different layers. I, I've been out to the university, to the uh, College of Metaphysics in Missouri a few times for weekends and seminars and uh, classes that they have. And they say that there are something like seven levels of mind. And, and if you want to 
be like Edgar Casey and be able to access that that uh, collective consciousness, what he called the Akashic Records. Uh, you need to get your mind entrained, and, and you do this through meditation, where your conscious mind lines up with your subconscious mind, lines up with your uh, all these different levels till you get to the collective unconscious and then everything is there everything thought that has ever been thought every deed that has ever been done is recorded in this collective unconscious that we all share but don't realize we share sometimes at night when we sleep and we have dreams we we are able to access that and go into that and and uh, and some people like Edgar Casey, and there are people alive today who can access that. So it's all there. And everything really is vibrations, as if we've been saying, you know, E equals MC squared. Uh, energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. So there is no such thing really as mass or matter. It's all energy. It's all vibrations. Exactly. Everything is vibrations. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Man, hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all energy. Now, what are we going to do with it? Hey, you know, and, and we, we are getting close to the end <laughs> of, we're getting close to the end of our time for this show, but we are definitely having you back but for a round of, two. Yes. Yes. We but are. I do want to make sure our listeners know where they can connect with you. And I know you wrote a book, so I want them to be able to find that too. So where best can they find you? Well, it's uh, I have a website. It's really easy to remember. Uh, as you recall, my name is Stephen Hawley Martin. My website is shmartin.com. All run together. S-H-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. Uh, when you go to that website, there'll be a menu at the top, and it's where it says books. You can click on that and see the books I've written. I also am displaying on my homepage my latest book, which is about the transition we are in and that we each have a decision to make based on uh, that transition. So I hope people will, will read that. But anyway, shmartin.com. Fabulous. Awesome. Well, we'll, you we'll get more into that I'm, in part two here. Absolutely. Along with a couple of other questions that uh, like involving the destiny of humankind. I mean, just or even a few UFOs. little, a few little UFOs. You know we are at the end of our time. Okay, so gotta go. Thank right. you so thank much, you so Stephen, <laughs> for being here. We really appreciate it. Really loving it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Be back for part two. Now it's time for our wow moment with Lorianne when she offers words of wisdom, sharing her intuitive and spiritual mentorship with us by responding to listener comments and questions. I love conversations that expand my mind and awareness and chip away at things that I thought were concrete and set. I mean, think about it. There was a time in our history when humanity believed that everything in our system revolved around the earth. And it was considered heresy to think that things revolved around the sun. But at some point, something shifted, and now we know better. But it took a lot of people chipping away at old paradigms to allow new knowledge in. And it feels like that's where we are now. Now, who knows what we're going to realize is true in another 50 or 100 years, but expanding our knowledge and awareness is so much fun. So where in your life are you finding yourself open to new ideas and possibilities or struggling to find peace with things that are uncomfortable or just don't seem right somehow? How do you find that balance? I invite you to explore, read, engage in conversation, and have fun with the process. And until next time, my friends, keep rising. Thank you, Lorianne, for sharing your wow with us. If you have a question, comment, or concern you'd like to hear addressed on a future wow moment, or you'd like to learn more about Lorianne's mentorship program, visit our website at lorianrising.com. That's L-O-R-I-A-N-N-E-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. Thank you. 
And to our listeners, remember that Mark and I are on a mission to help make the world a better place and to uplift voices that are not typically heard. So if you or someone you know is an author, a musician, innovator, or even a comedian whose perspective and message challenges old paradigms to open hearts and minds, please reach out. We want to support you by helping you be seen and heard by a worldwide audience. Just visit us at riseandshineasone.com to apply to be a guest. And before you go, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your favorite platform. And remember, until next time, wherever you are, there's always time for remembering to rise and shine. Take care. Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. changing world how can you protect the self-esteem confidence and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day even from a distance to learn more about uncle mark's best indie book award-winning kids book his music and resources to support families visit truesunbeam.com and if you're an author or musician with a similar mission learn how to be a guest on the rise and shine radio show visit uncle mark at truesunbeam.com Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Laurieann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit laurieannrising.com.